I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a special episode for the holidays. Before I shut things down, stop thinking about the business. I want to encourage you to do the same. Hang with the fam, binge the Hallmark Channel all week, but before you do, give this episode a listen with some eggnog, which is always better with Fireball. Just saying. For the holidays, I'm posting a throwback that has nothing to do with the business of design. A past chat with a friend from the show, Peter Gursky. Peter is a multidisciplinary creative who also was responsible for the look and feel of the smash TV hit, Will and Grace. Peter was episode 203, for those playing the home game. And I thought you might enjoy hearing about the set design. And then go to Hulu and watch. As you do, you can find some of the accessories in the show. Look at the paintings, the furniture, and you'll see what he's talking about in the stories behind them. I have a special treat for you, too. I received a package in the mail. A book. So it's time for another installment of Book Look. Together at the table, entertaining at home with the creators of Jaliska. Capuchin de Wolf, Gooding, and David Gooding have crafted a book that celebrates being together in so many ways, just as their home tableware brand, Jaliska, does. This book is, I don't know, call it part how-to, part why you should, and part just straight-up inspiration for better living. The better living part is what captured my attention most. It's not about buying someone else's life. That's what social media seems to be for. This is a concise treatise for better living. As the Goodings like to say here, quote, don't overthink. There is a tremendous value in that alone, but even more so when it's accompanied by visual examples, which is what you find here. Great work, Goodings. Seriously, love it. Quote, architects of togetherness, end quote. I love that. Jacket design is fabulous. The book is available now through the usual channels, I assume, and I... I think it represents everything that we want the holidays to be. So I think it's a good time to get it, and, uh, and I hope you do, and I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy and happy holidays from all of us at Convo by Design. We'll get to Peter Gursky live from the set of Will and Grace right after this. I am so proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They have been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. I think Thermosol makes the greatest steam shower generators in the world for a few reasons. They were the first to do it here in the U.S., doing it back in 1958. They operate a factory here in the United States, Round Rock, Texas, to be specific, where they have an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. They test every single steam generator before it leaves the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me the idea of luxury has changed in the last couple of years, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory, or it's not luxury. And, and if you want to add steam, you have really only one true option, the best in the business, Thermosol. 
Mitch Altman, third-generation CEO of this family-owned business, continues to innovate with Smart Shower, a technological marvel, aromatherapy, chromotherapy, and so many options, I, I can't possibly list them all here. And it is easy to size and simple to configure. Check out all available options at thermosol.com. A bathroom isn't truly luxury without steam. And there's really only one option for steam if you want the best. And that's Thermosol. When did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Oh, I know that answer. Uh, Fifth grade. I love that. (laughs) There was a contest. uh, Of course, it's elementary school. They were doing a a contest um, to design the backdrops for the Mikado because the whole school was involved. So you had to paint two little pictures so the school would paint two backdrops. So I did it and I won. And and so I kind of knew at that point it was like really cool to create a setting for a play. Like who knew that? Well, clearly you did. (laughs) At that point, yeah. Here's what's interesting. I, I love what you do. I'm enamored with the art department because you, many are fans. <laughs> many are you, fans of the art department. You you chose a profession where you are not the star. You're not saying a line. You're not appearing on camera. Mm-hmm. Yet without you, the job doesn't get done. And and you you can't say no. The, those in the art department and you don't say no. No, we don't say no. Uh, we say maybe ten minutes from now, but we never say no. Uh, and I think that's the challenge is what's going to happen day to day. But on the show I'm on now on Will and Grace, it's pretty formulaic, but they're pretty exuberant in the places they like to go and what they like to do. And we're on such a short schedule, like one week uh, from start to finish of an episode. And many times we only know three or four days in advance uh, what we're going to be doing. So. It's a scramble. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. Unlike, you know, many have said to me that over the last few years, the the one thing that has changed dramatically in the business mm-hmm. is the lack of prep time that used to be a thing. The prep time isn't there. But with what, yeah. you, with what you're doing, you don't have prep time anyway. Yeah, so it's like negative prep time. Yeah. <laughs> um, But I think you just have to speed it up. I mean, we've adjusted for this show because sometimes we have a lot of last-minute changes and uh, things have to be adjusted or they're not quite right because there are a lot of voices that chime in about what is right and what is not right. So um, no matter how much I think I'm right, there's uh, someone above me telling me maybe not. But uh, we've adapted by... um, by adding more crew. Like on this show, on any other multi-camera show, I would be running around shopping and doing all the other stuff, but I have a buyer on this show, so that takes the onus off of me. I can focus on the super creative things, and then, like if we have a hospital set, my buyer goes out and finds everything, and we go go over pictures and do approvals, but uh, we just add people to it, because... Now there's no prep time at all. This is also an interesting project because it's a reboot yeah. of an already successful show. Yeah. Did you feel any influence from the first version? Did you feel absolutely. any pressure? No, no, absolutely. And pressure. I think pressure from the fans because there was so much fan interest in the show coming back. And 
they're really attentive fans. You know, they really are invested in the characters and and what the show looks like and what uh, Will and Grace's apartment looks like and what's in it. Um, and then also I was uh, influenced, of course, by Melinda Ritz, who was the first set decorator, and I was her assistant, and now I'm the set decorator. So when we approached reassembling the set, now I think everyone knows the story by now, but uh, the set was on display at Emerson College for 10 years behind glass walls like a giant dollhouse. I mean, the whole thing. There was even candy in the candy dish sat there for 10 years because they had the producers, Max Muschnick and David Cohen, had, 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 had given Emerson an endowment. It's their, uh, it's their alma mater. So the set was there for 10 years. And then finally uh, Emerson said, well, you have to take it back because we're tired of it or something. I don't know. So it sat in storage for about a year. And then they figured out doing the get out and vote um, political ad, well, non tried to be a non-political ad, but it was funny, Will and Grace funny. But that was the first time the cast had been together since they'd done the show, and the chemistry was amazing. They they'd, they pulled the set, this set that's 10 years old, and we stuck it in the basement at CBS. It was totally top secret, and they had a top secret audience of 100 people, although to say it was pretty impressive industry people. Norman Lear was there. But when they moved, the, they had a makeshift curtain, like Mickey and Judy in the barn. And when they pulled it aside and the cast was there, it was an amazing moment because the audience didn't know it was going to be them. There was a gasp and then wild applause. So from that moment on, it was sort of a wild ride. But what we did was, since we had this set, which it never happens to have a set that's twenty, almost 20 years old, and all the furniture... And all the little tchotchkes. You never, ever have that. So we pretty much reassembled the set. The production designer redesigned some areas like the kitchen and the fireplace and some of the other architecture. But there's actual pieces of the original set, walls. They're antique walls, being 20 years old. And then there's actually, there's furniture. There's a lot of uh, Melinda that's uh, still in the set. There's a beautiful antique secretary that's still there. There's some artwork, but we were respectful to the fans because we didn't want them to be disoriented. So the, the geography of everything is pretty much the same, but everything's been heightened or freshened, as it would have in anybody's house after 10, 10, 12 years, whatever. So there's still a couch where the couch used to be, but it's a much better couch. It's a Joseph Jupe couch now. It's not whatever that was, Pottery Barn or whatever it was. Uh, and it's a great coffee table, but... You know, now it's, uh, oh, the name escapes me. It'll come back to me. So an enormously expensive coffee table. And then we have, uh, we threw in a layer of mid-century vintage so that he, at some point, Will had gone through that phase. But there's a lot that's on the set, small items and big, that are from the original set. And I think that is so great because it gives it such an air of authenticity. I think it's it's fun too, talking about Melinda. Yeah, I, I've had the I've had the pleasure of interviewing Melinda as well. You guys, you guys, <laughs> Seth Jackers, you you play well in the sandbox, and it's not. I, I don't know how this is going to sound. It's not for a lack of ego, and right? It, and it's oh, a, there's yeah, right. We're kind of ego. Well, ego-y listen, you're you're a creative. Yeah, you're, you're all creatives. 
Well, we have to have an opinion. If you do, if you can't come to the project with an opinion, an opinion uh, that of what you want to do, and I mean that's ego. But then you're no good if you don't have that. So I'm sorry, but yeah. No, yeah. no, that's where I was going, and I and I think it's really interesting that that you all have, in what I've seen, such respect for each other. Right. And it's interesting too. You can take a project where Melinda was the set decorator on the on the right. first version, and you were her assistant, and cut to a new one. And I, knowing Melinda, I'm sure she's thrilled for you. Well, you know, we we talked about it because I, this show was so much about everyone coming back. And I think Max and Melinda had a discussion. And, I mean, she won three Emmys on the show. And I think she felt like she'd done it, you know. And what was would it, would it really be that great for her going back? And she had, when we started up again, she already had two amazing shows at CBS. So um, I think... Um, She's pleased with the results. <laughs> yeah, right. And and by the way, you're Peter. You're having quite a year. Congratulations. Oh, speaking speaking of Emmys. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Your your we Emmy. Were, we were nominated. Yeah. And and robbed. I might add. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. The the problem is, everyone keeps saying sitcoms. Uh, are on their way out. It's the death knell for sitcoms. And yet here we are, 10 years later, there's still tons of sitcoms, but we compete with single camera work. And sometimes that doesn't equate. That's so. that's right. And and it's it's not like, well, being nominated is enough, right? How many times have we <laughs> But it is. It, it is. It is, a, it is a recognition. Sure, winning is great. But yeah. it, the recognition for the work that you do and the, the, the critical acclaim for the show and the way that it looks and the yeah. way that it feels the response that you've gotten has been nothing short of remarkable it's phenomenal i i, I really haven't experienced anything like it um we've had an architectural digest um interview on about the set we've had uh, interiors did a beautiful spread on it so there's been this whole lot of interest in what the set was uh, coming back and to this day sometimes if I hang around during filming um, sometimes I'll talk to the audience about they'll have they have questions you know what where's that thing from how does that cost how did why did you pick that and that's what I wanted to ask you yeah. about so doing doing in front of a live audience where you're getting feedback from the fans it's not like traditional TV well I guess it is like traditional TV but it's <laughs> but it's not like where it's something that's on TV and you can send an email or maybe you can tweet about right. it or someone can reach out that way these people are sitting right there right and if you choose to engage which it sounds like you do yeah you're getting you're getting these questions you're the you're the curator uh, in a way yes we're we're the curator, myself and the art department, absolutely, because um, they give me the environment, uh, the architecture, uh, and that is a whole discussion. Like, how do we keep it organic and yet update it so it's interesting and fresh? And plus, the camera technology is so different. I think when Will and Grace started, they were shooting on film. And now it's digital technology, which uh, is another beast in itself because of the detail it picks up and... You can't, it's hard to fake things. So we were really uh, reticent to not use something that was real, quote unquote, real or authentic. Like I needed really to have a sofa that was 
I mean, a $10,000 sofa because of the way it's built, the way it's designed, uh, the way it sits in a room. I mean, you can tell all that now with uh, the digital format. It's brutal. It, it is, right? Yeah. It's like when HD yeah. first became a yeah. thing. It's, it, it, put a, it put an entire generation of actors out of business. Yeah, and I have to, I have to be careful because I, it's from the front of the set all the way to the back of the set. I have to make sure everything is correct because I don't know what the camera is going to pick up in a glance now. So, and it's interesting too because along those same lines, you you are a designer as well. You're an interior designer right. as well. And I wanted to ask you what? How do you feel about designing for a family or a client mm-hmm. versus designing for a page? Well, uh, designing for the page. I get to create my own little world. It's very much about being in your imagination, um, using, of course, the script as a guide, any notes you've gotten from the producer. But really, um, I get to be the client and the designer all at one. And really, when you're designing for the page too, it's not just about creating this uh, pretty picture that'll look good in a magazine spread. I have to add that extra layer of this person's life how how do I um, present this to the audience so that um, this apartment that they live in tells their story? So it's about storytelling. It's about storytelling. And so uh, so on the other side, uh, designing for a family, um, I feel like I'm acting more like a translator. Like they... <laughs> everyone's so design savvy now and they'll come to me with ideas and tear sheets and stuff so i feel like my job a lot of the times is to take that edit it down and create the best version of what they want like i bring the design sense to it i bring some new ideas that fit into what they want to do but heightens the whole thing so well it's also when you're designing for a family you're designing for how they how they live regardless right. of who's watching correct but it's interesting because when you're designing for a show or for a script or for a fictional character do you approach it as if it's them or do you approach it as if it's from the perspective of the people who are watching them to fit the expectation that the audience may have i think the because the audience is so diverse and varied um I don't think I could fit all their opinions into one design and have it be cohesive. So I definitely have to design from the point of view of the character. But also, if I am true to that and I enrich the set with details uh, that are a part of the character, like pictures or things that are on a desk or the type of flatware they have, or even we like to, I like to. Um, dress the interiors of the drawers even if they don't get opened on camera or if you don't see them because i want the actor to open it up and have that inside of that drawer be a part of their life so it's about um it's about curating their life and and back to curating (laughs) back to curating which by the way i i love that because you know i've i've long held the idea that designers are are curators um, you're you're not going to be there for the whole for the whole lifespan of the yeah. of the client. Many are, 
You know, they'll come back and do a refresh and do, but, or they'll do a vacation home or they'll do, you're one of them. I've done that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with the character, it's so interesting because you can, you can have sort of that impact, whether it's actually seen or not. It's like, guess what? He loves the orange Tic Tacs. Someone says, well, no, he doesn't. It's like, yeah, he does. There's a whole drawer full of them on the seat. You've never seen it. Right. But trust me. Right. Which I think is just kind of cool. Or he, I like to do things like if it's a desk, what kind of pen does he have? Uh, I think Will is the kind of a OCD freak where I always make sure he has one kind of felt pen in black and that's the only thing there. And then if he has pencils, it's a mechanical pencil in gray or black and they're all the same in one pencil cup. So it's very specific for him and the way the paper works on his desk or his, his computer, everything is all... I think thought out for him. So silly pedestrian question. Please. <laughs> do you do you ever do you plant any Easter eggs? Do you plant All the time. Do Easter you... eggs are the best now. And I think audiences uh, expect them. So there's um we just did uh, a scene that's uh one of the characters is getting married and they have a bachelorette or maybe it's a bachelor party, and um, it's the morning after. So as the camera pans through, we have tons of Easter eggs. You know, it's like, you know, in the aftermath of a party, your place is a wreck, right? So it was a teardown, drag-out party. But we had done photos of everyone uh, on the crew, like the tiny little Polaroids, and then threw them on the ground. So when the camera pans by, it picks up someone there's, only we're going to know who it is, but it looks like someone drunk at a party. So we like to do, we go far for our Easter eggs. We go far. Well, and that's the other thing too. Do you, because the fans are the way they are. Yeah. Do you, do you ever get to follow along when someone discovers something? It's like, wow, I, that was so obscure. I'm surprised that they found it, but they find it. They find it all. Uh, I had someone ask me, uh, I took a question from the audience. She goes, I noticed when they open the kitchen cupboard that there are like 20 coffee cups and why are there only coffee cups in that cupboard? And what was your idea behind that? I was like astounded because really the cupboard with the coffee cups is there because it's more of a prop cupboard and that's where they get their coffee every time. So it's more of a practical uh, effort than a design effort. But they had actually taken the time to like eyeball that thing and not watch what was going on between the characters, but, but to look at the cupboard. So. Well, and that's what's interesting, too, is you have to be, just like a minute ago, when you were explaining a scenario to me, and yeah. it's like, it's, it's a, may, he may be getting married, or, or she yeah. may be getting yeah. married. Or, you always have to be on your toes. Yeah. You can't slip up. And here's what's interesting. When you're designing, des, I, design is so personal that you're doing it for the, it's whatever might just be top of mind because you're thinking about a job, but you, right. you can't do that. Uh, well, I think bec- I think because I, uh, I'm i always inside of the, the character's head, I think that ma- it makes it easy for me to transition to someone's personal life because I don't, I don't uh, think s- second about, you know, asking a client about their personal home about, where they put their under or anything. Because I do that for on set. It's like, so it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Where do you, you know? So uh, I think that the thing I have to always be um, mindful of is 
as long as my decisions don't get in front of the script and you know sometimes the executive producers have a specific request so i just have to be mindful of that you are listening to my conversation with set decorator peter gersky we'll be right back we are living in a time of incredible growth both technologically and creatively with respect to interior design exterior design and architecture there is no question there are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic a history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Do you ask the actors where the character would put, it, put their underwear, or do you decide for them? Oh, I decide. <laughs> oh, I decide. But, you know, that's me ahead of time. Like, I dress the sets before the actors come on. But it's super gratifying, especially when you get the set dressed and the actors come down and see it for the first okay, time. Okay, wait, 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 stop. Oh? Stop. Stop. Okay. Because, and forgive me, <laughs> I'm going to stop you because, the shark. no, I'm, I'm going to stop you because I want to set this up. Okay. Because this is actually where I was, where I was going. Okay. You, you got ahead of me. Okay. I think it is one of the most special parts of the job, your job, as a set decorator. Mm-hmm. You open the set. Mm-hmm. You're the one. So you've done all your work, you've done all the prep, you set it up, you establish it, and everyone comes in. It's not shot until you open it. Right. And I, I've gotten different points of view, and I'm dying to know, especially because of the history of this particular show. Mm-hmm. I want, <laughs> I, I want to know what it, I want to know what it was like for you when when you opened this particular set. Mm-hmm. What was the reaction? Uh, for the first time when they saw the set again. Yeah. Um, it was uh, amazing. It's like you're a proud parent. Um, and normally, I mean, for all the ego and all the talking to the audience and all you know, being out front, introducing the set and everything, we like to be a little stealthy in our job. We, we don't, I don't want to ruin all the magic in creating a set. And sometimes with the interest the audience takes, they really want to get into the details. And I want to leave some of the mystery about it. So when we, op- when we opened this set, I just stood back and let them go into the set and discover it. Because their reactions were so uh, amazing and honest and they were so enthusiastic about it. And it was like coming back home for them. So they all ran around the set like little kids, like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. Oh, I remember this. And they had um, they had hidden uh, script notes 
from one of the guest actors, um, John Ritter, I think it was, in one of the boxes on set. So, and we still had it. So it was it was still there for them to discover, and that was so amazing for them. So it was great to be able to uh, stand back. I like to stand back when they first. I, I don't want to be in the middle of it. I want them to discover it. I don't want to give them a tour, and I want to see their honest reaction. But for this set, introducing it was amazing. It's a highlight. I would imagine it is, especially, and, and you know, not to overplay this, right? But mm-hmm. in thinking about this show in particular, 20 plus years, yeah, the set was under glass, you know, it was moved, it was yeah. moved around a little yeah. bit and characters have to change over time. Right. They have to, because people change over time. And look, you were working on this set originally in one capacity. Right. And you come back and now you're working on the set in another capacity. Yeah. You have changed. That's right. Yeah. And so, but you're working with people that you worked with originally and it's got to be kind of interesting. It's, it's got to be surreal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just, yeah, I just walk on set some days and it's kind of kooky because yeah. it's all the same cameraman, same director, uh, some of the same writers, same producers. So... It's a little like deja vu, uh, but it's a little like when you come home from college, you know, they're a little different and you're a little different, but you just sort of have to mash it all up again together. What are, what are some of your favorite, aside from Will and Grace? Yeah. Um, because clearly I can tell that this is a, this is a, this is a passion point. This is family. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't a job. This is family. Yeah. Um, aside from Will and Grace, what are some of your other favorite projects? Well, I think this really is sort of a pinnacle uh, for me, and it sort of tops the list. Um, I also did um, the reboot of Fuller House, which was super fun just because it was such a goofy uh, 80s show. And even older than Will and Grace had been off the air like 23 years or something. That's crazy. That was fun to do. and then recently I did a project that was very, felt very current because we created a um, uh, dispensary, a weed dispensary in Silver Lake, California. So very familiar with uh, California. And although I don't partake, it was super interesting to be able to create the space where these people meet. And I've uh, got to build a grow room and... Kathy Bates was the owner. It was really great to to work with her. I mean, that was another great set reveal. So there's been some interesting projects in the last five years. It's so much uh, television is being produced. Uh, it's so many great opportunities. And when you have a project, you know, back to Will and Grace for a second, mm-hmm. where, where you're producing on the lot, it, talk about a grow room. You know, that's what the that's what the studio is. I love working on a studio lot. Um, Universal is great. There's still all the facilities for doing everything here. I love working at Warner Brothers a little bit more uh, because Warner Brothers still has that old-fashioned feel to it. It does. And uh, here it's a little more because of the overwhelming um, presence of the theme park that's right on top of you on the hill. It's... You know, there's a lot of other activity, but when you go to Warner Brothers, it's sort of going back in time almost because those studios 
have been that way since they built it in you know the early 30s late 20s early 30s and i and i love the i love the story of the warner brothers lot where you know the brothers are are doing are doing their their silent they're silent pictures yeah right and then you know the talkies come it's like well guess what this is could you imagine being at the studio at the time where you're going from silent pictures Mm -hmm. to to talkies yeah and all of the the way your job would have to change to accommodate right um i think that uh there's a lot of ways i think when they expanded to um sound they also expanded uh the depth of sets perhaps and uh uh, more of the detail and at the same time sound was getting better lighting was getting better the camera technology was getting better so i think as it was moving along everything had to sort of elevate along with those uh technology advances and normally what when whatever your job is normally some people have jobs that nobody wants right but normally yeah People have a job where someone's going to say, wow, your job is so cool. You have a job where most people are going to say, your job is so cool. I'd have to agree. You, do you still feel that way? Absolutely. I was sort of uh, an aimless child coming out of high school, and uh, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I found myself in theater and from there set designing and uh, set painting and that led me to working on television commercials which led me to working on TV shows and I've worked on movies and music videos as well so I feel really lucky that I found my profession because I just had to have a I think trust that it was going to happen because I I couldn't have told you that this is what I would be doing but it's just it's an amazing job. More than that, though, is you talk about Warner Brothers. Yeah. As a set decorator, you know, you have carte blanche to the props department. Correct. And you're walking through the, what do you say there? The, each floor is the size of a football field? Right. It's enormous. It's got to be, right? In five stories? It's enormous, yeah. And uh, there's so much history. They've been doing a lot of renovating over there and saving some of the antiques. They had amazing uh, green and green cabinetry uh from the turn of the century that was had been sitting in a back room for years and some of that stuff they've removed and sent to auction they had some amazing um crystal opera chandeliers torsiers that were 11 feet tall they were baccarat crystal the entire thing from marathon marathon man right but they go back even further i think um The earliest reference I know is the Red Shoe uh, Diaries in 1948. And it might have even been in a picture called um, Casino in 1943. But we know they must have been purchased somewhere along the line. But they were um, two of nine or two of 13 that were built for the Tsar uh, of Russia. And some of them never got delivered from Baccarat because the whole family was assassinated. So uh, it's amazing they never went out because they were too expensive. They finally sent them to auction. They sold for a million and a half dollars a piece. The, the word on that was that it got too expensive to insure. The right. Production. And the guy who knew how to take it apart, you know, retired. <laughs> so what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. There's like one guy who knew how to take it apart. Well, they, and said they actually had someone come out from Baccarat to certify them 
fix some of the crystals that were broken and uh but they was those were amazing pieces but it was really just a storehouse of history because you can still go through today and there's props and items that they've marked out because the tour goes through there now uh, that are from movies from the 40s and even the 30s. Well, it was interesting too because in 2012, I did a design house in Hollywood mm -hmm. and I was working with, with Warner Brothers at the time and, and they were one of our sponsors and I, the designer, I got to take the designers over there and mm -hmm. they, they selected some pieces, one of yeah. which was this mid-century stand-up lamp. Yeah. And it was like, you know, we're not sure, but this could be... Could be the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it could be. It always could be. Uh, it's the amazing thing that um, it was such a repository for amazing decorative items and lamps or lighting or chairs or cabinetry or whatever. And it's like a time capsule because sometimes it gets rented and sometimes it just sits there for years and years and years because it gets shoved to the back of the wall and nobody ever sees it. And so my, my original question to you was going to yeah. be, and I, by the way, I just love getting completely sidetracked on that. <laughs> totally tangent. Right? The, but the original question was, do you, do you ever just go, even when you're not working, do you just sort of just go and go for a walk just to look through some of this stuff, just to see, I mean, of course, it's, I'm, I'm on a job, I'm doing this officially, yeah. but, but to walk through and to see some of these things, it's just amazing. Well, what I love now is seeing uh, other colleagues work to see what they're doing to uh, sort of refresh my brain to see somebody else's viewpoint. Um, the prop houses, I'm so in love with them. Um, but even with as busy as the business is, there's uh, one of the oldest prop houses, Omega Cinema Props, is, is about set to close, which is a huge tragedy in my book. But they're trying to save it and get somebody to buy it. But... Um, I don't, I get enough of walking through the prop houses, but when I do it on a daily basis, I am wowed. But I was, I have to tell you, the Warner Brothers prop house is a little bit haunted because I was in there late one night. Everyone goes home at six and they left a side door open for me because I had to get a comforter or some pillows or something that I'd forgotten for a set that I needed. And they have the automatic lights that turn on and off as you walk through the hallways. But I'm like, it is creepy up there. And just as I was leaving with my little cart full of stuff, I I had a ghost. I swear if I was sound like an idiot saying it, but I had a ghost right behind me. I didn't see it, but it laughed right in my ear. Like out loud. Like a stupid ghost laugh you'd hear on Scooby-Doo. Like, <laughs> like that. And I was like, what is, like, I look around, like, there was no trick speaker. There was no uh, hidden sound box or anything. It was like the real thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm leaving now. So, no, I don't really pr pursue walking around the prop house anymore. Fair enough. <laughs> but I heard that they're, they're, they're playful ghosts. Uh, yes, they're playful ghosts. Apparently, they say one of them is Mrs. Warner, and she's playing bridge up on the third floor every other Saturday or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I do appreciate, um, because I'm a lover of uh, preservation, I do love seeing the old furniture and um, all the other stuff that's, you know, that's been kept alive, you know, because it sat in a prop house. And, and I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that because, I, you know, back to the curation 
yeah. aspect. You know, saving iconic pieces and architecture and design, once you put it on film, tape, digital, once it's recorded, you have it. Mm-hmm. You have it. But we've become, we Hollywood has always been known as, you know, such a disposable industry. Right. Right. But there seems to be more of a priority to save worthy objects mm-hmm. and worthy things. Uh, yes, there is. And I think it's reflected in the way the prop houses manage their inventory now. They're more careful uh, with the more expensive or historical items. Um, they have someone on staff that's, uh, at least at Warner Brothers, they did. They were gleaning through all the stuff to make sure stuff hadn't been mislabeled or that they were aware of all the precious antiques um, that they had in stock. So there's, I think because of the rise of the internet and Pinterest and all, um, all this detail about people taking in, putting what it is out there so everyone can see it, I think that really, everyone had to up their game. Like you couldn't get, a, get away with throwing stuff in there expeditiously just to get something in there. You have to be really careful about what you do and make um, solid choices about, you know, and educated choices about what you're using. Do you have a dream project? I think it's the show right now. It is. Yeah. Did... I li- uh, literally the studio is three blocks from my house. I can't. And how much better does it get in LA so you don't have to commute right and because the show is as iconic as it is and yeah. because the cast you know has a has a remarkable reputation cast and crew of this particular project has a remarkable reputation yeah. it's it is like a family yeah it, I've, I've heard that and so is there because TV is what it is is there always this pressure it's like how do I t- how do this can't be the best. Thing. How do I top this? Do you ever, do, does that ever cross I, I, your mind? I've, yes, I've thought that. Yes, how do I top this? And what have you come up with? Well, we have another season after this, and that'll make three seasons in total for the reunion. Maybe there'll be something after that. But I think the most important thing is to be in the moment with it and enjoy it now. Because I've always uh, been an industry gypsy where you go from one project to the next. So the fact that I'm on this for three years is great and I'm going to love it while I'm here. And then I don't know how, but maybe there's something better past this, but I'm going to enjoy the better right now. And and the only, the last question I had is with regard to process mm-hmm. and how this, because, you know, on set today, yeah. seeing how every set is, you know, it's there, it's right next to each other. Yeah. You're not, you're not going on location here and then no. moving and striking and then going to a new location. Everything's here except for exteriors. And, and that's right. But that's different. Do you like having everything here? And are you one of those decorators that can go f- from one, from r- one room to the next, even though you're not necessarily shooting in order? Does that ever, does that ever throw you or? No, that never throws me. I can go from one set to the next I mean, I came from the theater world being raised up with that. So I love that uh, what we do is almost proscenium-like with the fourth wall gone and presenting it to the audience. Uh, So I love that. I'm very comfortable with that format. I love it more. I've worked 
I'd love it more than multi-camera. I've worked in multi-camera, but you're mostly if you're not in uh, this the the home set, which is four walls, uh, you're on location. So you're really just throwing some crap in a room and. The first thing that happens when grip and electric comes, like, okay, move that half of the room, you know. So you never really get to see a presented uh, set rarely. Um, but that's why I enjoy this work so much is because I can present a beautiful finished tableau that tells a story, and I present that to the audience every week, and I really like that. And and I can see why. And it's a beautiful story that you're telling. And thank you for the invitation to come down and see this and to talk. This has been a, an absolute joy. Thank you so much, Josh. I'm glad we were able to get it together. I know, but how, how, how long have we been <laughs> working know. on this? Months. It, it has. Months. Since August, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what? It's, it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, thanks. Thank you so much. If you've been listening to Convo by Design for a while now, you have heard me tell you about Article. Great style. Really, it's as simple as that with Article. Things have been challenging for design professionals and their clients for, what, two years? Two plus years now? Y you know this already. What you might not know is that it doesn't have to be if you're looking for exceptionally beautiful modern furniture. Article provides a simple and easy way to creating a beautiful modern space because Article works direct with their manufacturers on production of unique and stunning pieces. Then they work directly by providing this well-crafted design directly to you. This direct relationship means you aren't wondering where your furniture is and you're getting it for an incredible value. What could possibly be better than that? In many cases, the shipping is flat rate, which means no surprises right? Even more, their culture and service are rooted in their core values. Customer obsession, doing it differently, ownership mindset, winning together. If you're a designer, architect, or residential developer, you must check out their trade program. Discounts, special support, and exclusive perks. Article has the beautiful modern furniture you're looking for at an incredible price, at an incredible value, and you need to check them out. Check out article.com, or if you go to the show notes, there is a specific link which will take you, if you're in the trade, directly to their trade program. You have to see it to really believe it. Thank you, Article. Thank you, Peter. I remember it like it was last week. Thank you for the tour and the fun look back. Thank you, Convo by Design partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Article Furniture, York Wall Coverings, Franz Wigner, and Moya Living for your continued support and partnership. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the show. Thank you for your emails and guest submissions. Keep them coming. You are the reason I produce Convo by Design. Designers, architects, set decorators, showroom managers, publicists, artists, makers. You make this world a better place. Remember why you do what you do and for whom you do it. Be well. And until next week, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Mm -hmm.